All right, let's read the scripture together. Why don't you stand? First Thessalonians chapter four. We'll start verse one, chapter four. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you are living. How many, how many of you would like to get a letter like that? We've instructed you what to do and you are doing it. It'd be the best thing ever if your boss walked in and said that, wouldn't it? Now we asked and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to do it more. Do it more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should, should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so. Everybody say it together. More and more. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I know without a shadow of a doubt it's going to change us today. We're going to become more like Christ. We're going to become more excellent. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Turn around, tell somebody, we got to do it more. You got to do it more. You got to do it more, more, more. So two weeks ago, we talked about gathering to go. That unity, that our agreements have to be agreeable with God. Last week, we talked about the give and go. How many enjoyed that last week? That was a really fun sermon for me, the give and go. Give and go. This week, I'll be honest, I don't know how many weeks I can keep up the 2G thing. So if we get to next week and I can't get, do a G and go, then you'll understand that just ran out. It just didn't make any sense. But God in his grace and mercy has given me three sermons in a row that I can use two words to start with G. I think it's a sign from heaven that his favor is on us. We're going to talk about excellence today. It's one of our core values, excellence. I want to let you know that our definition may be a little different from what you're expecting. Um, We're not talking about perfection. Everybody go, okay. And some of you that are perfect... Stop looking around at everybody else. I believe excellence is doing our best every time. But in the context of doing our best, our best should get better. Amen? If your two-year-old takes a coloring book and colors outside the lines, you're going to say, oh, you colored, that's so beautiful. 
that you're awesome. If your 25-year-old takes a coloring book and colors outside the lines, you're going to say, hey, I was hoping you would get a little better. Or they're just going to like, mom, I'm artistic. You know, like, whatever. Follow the rules inside the lines. There's an expectation of progress, correct? So here, one of our core values is excellence. What does that mean to us? It means that we want to do the best we possibly can, knowing that the best we possibly can do should be better the longer we do it. Does everybody understand that? So, so we should be better than we were six months ago at what we're doing. Some of you feel the pressure already. You're like, I, this is what my wife says all the time. And she is right. But we believe our best honors God. All through scripture, it talks about doing whatever you do. Do it with everything you have. Do it with all your might. Not like you're working for some slave driver guy, but as if you're working for God. So, so do the best you can possibly do, and then when you learn how to do it better, do it better. Amen? So I can remember when, when I led worship here, oh, I haven't led worship for like six years here at this church. And, and I will occasionally have people walk up to me and say, um, hey, you should sing a song. I'm like, I sing the shower now, buddy. Like, I don't do that, and I probably can't do it anymore. Uh, and I can remember when we first started, when I first started leading worship here, there would be moments, now I'm not exaggerating this, some of you were here. We had a, we had a like a baby grand piano over here, and uh, everybody on stage was just learning how to play instruments. There was times when we would come in before church and practice, and I would feel pretty confident until we started. <laughs> and I, there were several times where the guy playing the piano would look up at me after a song. We were getting ready to play the next song. And I'd look over and I'm like, dude, let's get start. It's awkward, dead space. Everybody's looking, waiting on the next song. And he would go, how does that go? Like, you want me to hum it into the mic? Everybody's watching. We would have what we would call train wrecks. To the point where the train stopped moving. I remember stopping in the middle of a song because it was so awful that we couldn't progress any further and having to start totally over. Somebody say, amen, that we're not in that place anymore. But if I told you the rest of the story, that, that um, when I started leading worship, I didn't know how to play the piano. I got so frustrated. I didn't know how to play anything except the trumpet. You can't lead worship with a trumpet. And so I got a little keyboard that, that if you push the bass, the root note C, it showed you where C was. And so in an afternoon, I just started going like this. C, F. And then I don't even remember what else the song was. The song was four chords. And I practiced one day, 
and we sung it that night in our youth ministry. Talk about train wreck. But I thought, God, we got to get better at this. And so we just started out on a quest to be better at what God called us to do. And then eventually, I don't know, it might have taken five years to get the first compliment. How many of you understand the idea that, that you may, your excellence at this point may not get a compliment and that shouldn't deter you from keep trying? Come on, our society wants applause immediately. If I post it on Facebook, I want likes overnight. If I put it on YouTube, I want everybody to look at it. If, it, if it's terrible, it's terrible, by the way. But excellence is something, it's a process in us that God works in and through us. And so we just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. We started practicing. We, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never led a team in worship. I'd never led a team anywhere. We just thought, well... We'll just watch some videos, watch, watch people that are better than us. We'll read some books. We'll, we'll practice and we'll practice. And pretty soon we got to the place where, where people were pretty decent. And then people started recognizing it. One thing you need to realize about excellence is there's a time process to it. It doesn't happen overnight. Now, there may be that 1% that walks in and blows everybody's mind away the first time they do it. Listen, most of us aren't in that 1%. Amen? It's a time thing. So just take a deep breath. Exhale. And realize that it's a process that God is working in and through you. And we're all fine with that. Somebody say amen. Amen. Next time your wife said, look, God's working on me. Give it a break. Don't say that. But we believe God deserves our best. Paul is writing here to the Thessalonians, and he says this. He says, listen, we, we taught you some things that you should be doing. And you, when you first start reading that, you think he's going to say, and you're not doing it. He says, listen, we taught you some things that we wanted you to do, and now I'm writing you this letter because you're not doing it. No, but he says this. We taught you some things that you should do, and in fact, you are doing it. Excellence starts with action. Do you realize that? Unless you want to be really excellent at doing nothing, which I think is some of our society's goal, excellence always requires action. You always have to do something to be excellent. You can't just sit around and wish you were excellent. It takes action. And Paul's Paul's telling them, look, we gave you instructions on how to live. And in fact, you've already started doing that. He's applauding them. He's saying, listen, you already, you've already, you've taken the steps. Not that, not that they've already gotten there, but they've taken the steps. We instructed you on how to live in order to please God. And in fact, you are living. And then down in verse nine, he says, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other in verse 10. And in fact, you do love all of God's family. It starts with action. Now, here's where we get tripped up. We're going to talk about this later on. But, but here's where we get tripped up. We think because I can't do it as well as somebody else, I shouldn't even try. 
And we see, we see things happen all the time. And we, we say, well, look how good they do it. So I, I shouldn't even try it. You know what scares me about that? You don't know how good you could be if you tried. The fear for me typically is not, is not trying. It's the idea of not trying. Did that make sense? I, I'm typically the personality type that I'm not scared to go ahead and jump into it. I'm scared what would happen if I don't jump into it. Now, we're going to talk about some of you think the reverse on that. And that's totally fine. We're all going to be on the same boat at the end of the day. All right. You with me? But excellence requires us to try. It requires us to act. It requires us to do something. You have to do something in order to be better at something, right? It's like, oh, I'm good at doing nothing. I don't even have to try at it. The gospel is on the job training. Somebody say amen. On the job training. Does it take a lot of stress off of you? If you know you're learning as you go. You ever had a job where they said, hey, listen, we're going to teach you everything you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> you mean I don't, have to, I don't have to take any classes? I don't have to have an education before I get it? No, 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 no. We're going to teach you everything you, you need to know. Oh, so I just show up tomorrow. Yeah, we just want you to show up and try. All right, we'll teach you everything you need to know. That's the way the gospel works. Nowhere in Scripture does God say, until you know X, Y, and Z, you cannot follow me. No, it says, come as you are, right? When Jesus was picking the disciples, did he look at Peter and say, hey, can you tell me what the kingdom of God is like? Oh, I don't know. I was hoping you'd tell me. Well, you can't follow me then. There was no litmus test. It was the litmus test was, will you put down your nets and follow me? It wasn't what he knew, it's what he would do. Did you hear that? So excellence starts with an action. The gospel is on the job training. So if you're going to be involved, all you have to do is get involved. And then excellence comes as you are involved. And so as we embrace the gospel, as we share the gospel, guess what? will happen. We will get better at it and better at it and better. As you have a relationship with Christ, you will get better at it and better at it and better. Some of you are fasting for the first time, right? Is that true? Hopefully fasting for the first time, man, the first time is a nightmare. I'm just letting you know that feels like, like what in the world is going on? Why am I doing this? But after you, it's called a discipline. How many of you love discipline? So the idea of excellence is that we're first going to take action. So we're going to get involved. We're going to do something. I want you to make sure you understand this here in the context of Hedgesville Church. There is no one in leadership at this church that expects the first time you do something to be the best time that you ever do it. That's not the case. There's an expectation that it gets better as you do it. And so it initially requires you to do something. And Paul told the Thessalonians, he said, listen, you are doing something 
And that is awesome. I'm happy for you. I'm excited. This is great. We have a volunteer core here that is absolutely amazing. But guess what? Some of them weren't amazing when they first started. Now everybody's like, I wonder who he's talking about. But guess what we did? We grew together, right? So excellence for you is the best you can do at the moment. Amen? That's excellent. I heard Francis Chan say one time, he said, I do the best with what I know at the moment. That's good, right? That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Notice Jesus' conversations to two people. Because I need, to, I need to deal with something, and we're going to do this throughout the whole sermon. I need to deal with, with I, I believe there's kind of two personality types. Maybe three, and I'll throw the third one in there. There's the type that says, I'm not there yet, but I'm trying. Amen? Anybody, anybody associate with that? I'm not there yet, but I'm trying. You're in action. You can raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Come on, that's part of my group. I thought there'd be more participation. And then the second group is there. I'm not there yet, so I'm not going to try. Anybody in that group? So all of you are in the third group that do nothing. Uh, there's a third group that's like, uh, what are you even talking about? So I believe there's two groups of people. There's, there's the people that I'm not there yet, but I'm trying. I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But then there's a group that the, the word perfection messes everything up. Because if it's not perfect, then it's not worth trying. And when some of you are squirming right now, you're like, oh, that's me. I could never color inside the line, so I just quit. I just thought coloring's for kids and I'm not going to color anymore. You know, there's adult coloring books out now. Your stress level just went through the roof, didn't it? You're like, ah, ah. Listen, I believe in the church there is an issue with perfection that God never called us to. So what happens is we don't try things because we don't think we're going to be perfect at it. We don't try things because we don't think it's going to be great. We don't try things because we think, well, if I try, I could mess up. And guess what will happen if you try? You will mess up. Somebody said in our connect group, the first step to failure is trying. (laughs) Boy, that's truth. You could put that on a poster as motivation. God is calling us to come with him and he makes us perfect. Did you understand the difference in that? Now watch this. Our desire for perfection should always be grounded in Christ perfecting us, not us perfecting ourselves. Did you hear that? Watch these two conversations that Jesus has with different people. He looks at Peter, who never, ever claims to be perfect. Matter of fact, when Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet, Jesus, Peter says, "Ah, oh, not me, Lord. I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. This is crazy. 
Peter never comes to him with the idea that I can make myself perfect. And so what Jesus tells him, it says, just come follow me. And in the process of following me, I will make you perfect. Did you hear that? Now, there's another instance where he talks to a rich young ruler and the rich young ruler comes to him with the idea that he can be perfect outside of Christ. And so he says, what must I do to be perfect? And Jesus says, da, 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 da. And the guy says, ha, I already do all that. That's awesome. And then Jesus says, well, okay, then sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And you all of a sudden realize that perfection was not his goal. Because the Bible says that he went away sad because he couldn't do it. You see, any time that we substitute perfection for excellence, when God did not call us in and of ourselves to be perfect, because I don't know if you've tried lately. Have you tried to be perfect lately? That's a daunting task, isn't it? I'm right in some of y'all's living rooms and you're like, oh, well, I thought I was perfect. Your boyfriend needs to stop lying to you. That ain't, it ain't true. Perfect to him is not perfect. All right. (laughs) You know what I realized one day that my best is good with God. Did you hear that? My best is good with God. If I'm making my best effort with what I'm able to do at that moment, at that time, then God is good with it. And the expectation of perfection only comes through my acceptance of Christ. Because it doesn't say he looks down on my good works and sees perfection. It says he looks down on the righteousness of Christ on me and sees perfection. And that's two different things. That frees me up to be excellent, not perfect. Some of you should be saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because if you get this wrong, you won't even try. You'll miss the first step. And we fail to be excellent because we're so concerned about perfect, which is not something God told us to be concerned about. So we got to try and you can't get tripped up. Excellence is achieved through repetition. What are the things you're best at? It's the things you do all the time, isn't it? It's the things you do all the time. Those are the things you're best at. Some of you are good at running your mouth. Right? It's never stop. You're great at it. Some of you are good at giving compliments. Why is that? Because you do it all the time. Anybody bad at giving compliments? That'll admit it? I see a few hands going up. God will deliver you right now because you've been honest. No, but listen. You know how you get better at something? First you have to what? Start doing it. And then you have to repeat it. So all, all we do here is we say, hey, come 
follow Christ. And as you're following, okay, there's an action. You started following. As you're following, you're going to repeat those things over and over again. And guess what? Then you're going to get better at it. So you'll be more excellent than you were the day before. You say, well, I can't read the Bible. I don't understand it. If you read it more, you would. Right? Come on, we're in 2017. There's 875 different translations, interpretations, like, you know, paraphrases. I think they have an abonics version of the Bible. I mean, there's everything you can think about. It's in every language you could ever dream about. Just pick one up. Excellence requires action to start. You got to pick one up and then you start reading it. And guess what? You get better at reading it. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you hear the words that David used there in that song? He said, I hid your perfect word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your perfection, I'm struggling to get there. Did you hear that? But excellence is me continuing to learn your word so that I can abstain from sin. But I'm not going to be perfect at it, but I'm going to be better than I was yesterday, which is an excellent thing. Come on. You've got to start, and then you've got to do it over and over and over again. So remember, we looked at each other and said more and more. Paul says, hey, listen, you're doing exactly what we told you to do. And I believe we know what he told him to do because he says, "For the, you, you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So from verse 3 to 8, he kind of gives a description of it once again. Uh, we told you to live like this. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. But what he says is, is he says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this. What? Excellence comes from repetition. You heard habits. You got to make it a habit. You got to make it a routine, a routine, a routine. The things that you do routinely are the things that you're best at. You're best at getting to Netflix. It's like three buttons on my remote. Boom, boom, boom. Already got your shows, right? Just lined up. Like the devil just lines it up for you. You don't even have to work. What we do over and over again are the things we're excellent at. Now ask yourself in your life, what are you excellent at? Because Paul's saying, listen, we instructed you how to live and you're doing it. But in order to be excellent, you have to do it more and more. He said, you're loving the way that God instructed you to love, but we want you to be more excellent. So what do you have to do? You have to do it more and more and more. You have to keep the routine going. You have to set it in your heart. If you want to be good at reading the Bible, you have to do it every day. You have to do it every day. But here's what happens. I started a one-year Bible reading program this year. Anybody else do that? You can do it on your version. It's really easy. It's awesome. If I set up the standard that if I miss one day reading that Bible, I'm going to hell, then I might as well not even start. I didn't say miss 50 days. Everybody's like, man, I read it once a week. I'm going to do the one-year Bible plan in 10 years. 
But even the creators of version realize this. So they put a thing in there where you can catch me up. And what it does is it takes the guilt out of your Bible reading. Because God's called us to be excellent, not perfect. It's his perfection, right? So watch this. So I read four days in a row. I miss two days. You know what the devil does? Even when you're reading the Bible, you, miss, you, you read it four days in a row, more than you've ever read in a row before. Four days in a row, miss two days, you start it again. But that little nagging two, two spots are open on the calendar thing that goes, and you're like, God hates me. <laughs> miss two days, God hates me. And forget the fact that you've never read the Bible four days in a row in your life. So four days in a row, God loved you, and you were excellent, you missed two days and you're going to hell. Can you see God up there going, what are you talking about? But because perfection, remember what we said? If if I can't be perfect, I'm not even going to try. The gospel is on the job training. Could you imagine if Peter ever said, the only way I'm going to follow you is if I never deny you. Matter of fact, he said that. (laughs) Oh, not me. I'll never turn away. I'll never leave you. I'll never. One thing I've learned to say, not to say, is I'll never. If you're making a bunch of I'll never statements, you don't know yourself that well. But Peter said that. I'll never. But Jesus knew what the deal was. But thanks to God that Peter ultimately figured out that the grace of God overcame his inability to be perfect and ushered him into God's presence anyway. And after he had denied Christ, Christ was dead and resurrected. Jesus came back to him and said, hey, man, just come feed my sheep. man. Come on, keep following me. Because it wasn't about you getting it right. It was my grace covering you when you didn't. That's excellence. So. Whatever you're doing over and over and over again is what you'll be excellent at. Excellence, excellence. That's what we're looking for, right? Do it better than we did before. Proverbs 6.20 says this. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake, and, and, <laughs> and forsake your mother's teaching. And forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and a teaching, a light, and reproofs of discipline are the, are the way of life. Listen, you know why he's saying this? He's saying because if they're close to you, you'll read them all the time. Because what you do in repetition, you get more excellent at, right? So wh- why, is it, why is it that we keep coming back to prayer, read the Bible, prayer, Read the Bible, prayer, read the Bible. Because those are, two, those are two of the main disciplines God gave us to be more excellent in following Him. If He wrote the thing down, why would you guess at it? Right? It's like going to a college uh, final exam. It's your senior year, you're getting ready to graduate. And the exam pops up. And the professor is laid out for the whole semester what you should study. And you just guess at the end, like, I don't know. This is a history class, but I'm going to pick science. 
and you walk in and you fail the test, but the professor says, I gave you all the notes. You just wouldn't read them. And so in life, we do that. Instead of pursuing excellence, we say, well, I'm just going to guess at this. And so the two spiritual disciplines that he gives us, prayer and reading the Bible, is the way to get us more excellent in our relationship with him. That's why he tells us to do them over and over and over and over. How do you figure out what God wants you to do? We read it. And what's Paul say? Once you learn those things, do them over and over and over again. You have to start and repeat. Look at your neighbor and say, start and repeat. Start and repeat. Start and repeat. Don't we do this with our kids? You're going to wash them dishes till you get them right. <laughs> Keep scrubbing. At least we do. I don't know about you. You may give up halfway, but I'm like, you can be excellent at it. <laughs> There's one other issue we need to deal with. It's the arrival. There becomes a point in time in our life when we feel like we've arrived. You know, I've been doing this long enough. I know what I'm doing, right? When we arrive, it starves excellence. Did you hear me? When you arrive, you starve excellence. You know, they say it takes 10,000 hours of doing something to be a master at it. I don't know about you, that's a lot of hours. 10,000 hours. To be a master at. But what I found about most masters is something is they never stop learning to become better at what they do. Because they found it over those 10,000 hours that they don't know as much as they thought they knew. That's true. If you get around anybody that's um, like the top of their game at something, they never quit learning about how to stay at the top of their game. Because excellence is the goal, not just being at the top. We see this through history. Anybody remember the invention of the telephone? Oh, nobody here actually remembers it. Okay. Um, what happened in, I think it was 1897, I think. Is that right? 1876, I'm sorry. 1876, Alexander Graham Bell picked up a phone and called his assistant, Watson, on the phone for the first time. Called him. The guy on the other end of the line heard his voice clear. That's excellent, isn't it? We've arrived. We could pick up one thing with a cord on it and talk in it, and a guy as far away as you want to be can pick up the other end of the cord and hear you say something. We've arrived. We could quit now. We're the best ever. We're, we're the best we can be. Oh, man, we've arrived. Do you know it was seven years later before the telephone ever actually rang? Did you know that? There was no bell on the first telephone. Do you know how you had to figure out if somebody was calling? You had to just pick it up all the time. You think cell phones were stressful? Could you imagine being in a house with the first telephone? Is somebody call? I don't know. I better check. I better check. I wish they'd just sit down and eat dinner with us and not worry about that phone. Nothing's changed, has it? So I don't know if it's ringing or not. Mom might be calling. I wish you'd leave your mother alone. Like, uh, just picking up the phone. Uh, is somebody there? Is somebody there? There was no bell. 
Look it up for yourself. Can you imagine there was no bell on the first telephone? Someone might be calling. Maybe I'll just stay on the line all the time and wait. Because I might miss something important. And then Thomas Edison's assistant, Watson, seven years later, filed a patent for the first bell on the telephone. And I think there was a public sigh of relief going, oh man, now we can just put the phone down. Now we've reverted and put our phones on silent. <laughs> so all through this sermon, you're like, oh, somebody, somebody's text. Oh, just, I'm just, I'm actually taking notes. I'm not, not looking. <laughs> you see, when you arrive, you quit excelling. When you arrive, you quit trying. When you arrive, you've done all, you, you, you've made the statement that you've done all I can do in this matter. You know what Paul says about that? He writes to the Philippian church in chapter 3 of Philippians, and he says the exact opposite. He says late in his life, after he has done the, all these amazing things, and he's, and he's served Christ in ways that, that people can't even fathom, he said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal in Philippians 3.12. And then in the next verse, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He says, man, if it, I haven't gotten to where I want to go, I haven't become the person I want to become yet. And you're thinking of all people who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament who have more influence on the doctrine we, 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 we believe than anyone else in the New Testament. This guy is saying towards the end of his life, I'm not there yet. Do you know what that tells me? Paul was bent on excellence. He was saying, I can be better tomorrow than I am today. I could be closer to Christ tomorrow than I am today. I could be more like him tomorrow than I am today. There's more that I can do tomorrow than I did today. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. So as a church, we have to ask ourselves, is there more we can do? Could we be better? Could we spread the gospel more effectively? Could we reach more people? Could we be more loving? Could we be more caring? And I would say emphatically, yes. We just have to make sure we don't have the arrival mentality. Hedgesville Church, man, I go to Hedgesville Church. We just start three services. Already better than you. That's pretty good. That's excellent. We'll just stay here three services excellent you know excellence becomes silly 10 years from now doesn't it who would ever think about picking up a phone with a cord on it that's so 20th century pick up a phone with a cord on it who has a landline right 200 years ago. That's the most amazing thing ever. 150 years ago. Most amazing thing ever. Can I say to you the most excellent way we reach people 10 years from now, what we do today would be silly. But here's the danger in the church. It'll be the same way if we don't pursue excellence. 
The reason the church is dying is we because we believed at one point in time that we arrived and we did nothing else after that. We don't need any new music because the music we have is great. We don't need any new methods because the methods we have are great. We don't need any different, different ways of doing things because the way we've arrived and the way we have it now is perfection. And guess what? The world passed us by and we ended up not being able to relate because we were still picking up phones with cords on them. But the pursuit of I can give my best to God and he will bless it means I will do, I will stay in the game. I will be like Paul and I'll say, I haven't arrived yet. I'm still pressing on. He says, this one thing I do, I keep trying. Because I know I can be better. I know through him I can do all things. I know what I'm capable of. Actually, perfection, I believe, is a myth. That the moment you think something is perfect, someone comes comes along and does it better. Isn't that true? I want to be the one that does it better. I want this church to be groundbreaking, busting out into new territories. Who cares if nobody's done it before? That's the reason to do it. Some of you are like, oh, nobody's done it before. We can all die. You're going to die. One way or the other. Why don't you stand? This is the last thing. Excellence should be a motivator, not a killer. I'm not there yet, but I'm heading in the right direction. Some of you have avoided relationships with God because you don't think you're good enough to start one. Some of you have avoided following him because, because you have this perfection mentality that God expects some level of perfection in order for you to follow him. Some of you, some of you don't trust him today because you can't break an addiction on your own. Some of you don't trust him today because, because you seemingly can't get your life straight enough. And so you just say, man, I'll come to church and hang out, but I don't know. When I get better, That's the myth of perfection. That it's somehow you can straighten yourself up and be acceptable to God. Let me say this. When God wanted perfection, he came down. He didn't call us up. He didn't say, well, I need somebody from earth to come up and figure out how this really works. No, he said, I want perfection. So I, God, am going to come down and be with you and show you what it looks like. And I, God, Because even after I come down, you still won't be able to do it. I, God, will cover you with my righteousness. So that when I look down, I won't see your mistakes. I'll see how good I am. And so so what pains me is the devil convinces us that we can match what only God could give us. And so we stay far away from God because we're still trying to live up to what only he could be. And that's so far from excellent. Excellence here is you're better than you were 10, ten days ago. I call that excellent. You're farther along than you were two months ago. You're better off than you were 10 years ago. You're not dead 
as you could have been. You're here and you're hearing the gospel and that's an excellent thing. Amen? So I believe today that God has called us to grow from where you are at this moment to where he wants you to be. It's going to take the rest of your life. Get over the timeline. It's going to take the rest of your life to get where God wants you to be. The rest of your life is growing. And if we don't grow, the gospel doesn't go. If we don't determine in our hearts right now, they're going to be better than we were when we started. The gospel will never go forward through us. But like Paul, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm trying every day. This one thing I do, I press on. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to be excellent every day for him. That's all he expects. Father, we come to you this morning in humility, knowing we haven't arrived yet, Lord. And I'm praying for the people right now that have held up perfection is a reason not to follow you. And I pray that you cast that devil out right now. Lord, that I pray that your perfect peace would, would come to them. Lord, that you take the weight off of their shoulders. Lord, you release them from this life they think they have to live before they can come to you. Lord, and I pray that they surrender their lives right now as it is with a confession that through you they can be better. That with a confession of because you died for them now they can live. With a confession that because you came down and you were perfect they can now be excellent. Father, I pray that you you do what only you could do this morning. You save, you deliver, you set free, and you do it in a miraculous way. Thank you for this moment, God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church, could you give him honor and glory this morning? He's an excellent God.